We are so honored that you chose to join us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. It is our desire that you will be encouraged and challenged in your walk with Jesus. Be blessed as you join us for this week's message. Well, good morning, Hope Church. So good to be with you guys on this first Sunday of 2022. It still sounds weird, doesn't it? You know, when you go into a new year and you start saying the new year, it just sounds weird. How many of you are glad 2021 is over? How many of you had a good year 2021? Good, that's good. Man, well, we are on the cusp of beginning a, um, not just a new year, but every year at Hope Church, we believe that as we start the new year, we want to start the new year, um, spiritually speaking, on the right foot. And um, so what we do is we take 21 days every year in the month of January, and we set them aside. We call them 21 days of prayer and fasting, where we intentionally put aside some things that we would normally do, whether it's eating, whether it's social media, whether it's uh, Netflix or movies, entertainment, something that God would put on your heart that maybe is, is stealing a little bit of your time, taking up too much of your mind share. Um, and part of fasting um, is giving up some food. And so we encourage you, um, we're starting that next Sunday, as you just heard, January 9th. And it's something that we like to do together as a, as a church community. And whether you've done fasting before or not, uh, we want to help you. On our website, we're going to have a prayer and fasting guide that gives you different types of fasts that you can, you can do with us as a church. But here's the bottom line about fasting. Fasting is wonderful, and oftentimes we, we engage in fasting. And fasting is, is disengaging from some things in the world, so, from some things in our flesh. But even more importantly than disengaging from those things is our pursuit of God. We actually give up some things to create space and mind share in our life so that we can actually pursue God. And I think sometimes during times of prayer and fasting, we kind of miss that part, you know? We get so caught up in what we're not gonna eat or what we're not gonna do that we actually forget that the purpose of not eating or doing is so that we can actually take that energy, take that mind share, take that space and give it and pursue God, amen? And so I just wanna encourage you uh, to join in. And if you, if you don't want to do the 21 days, then do 14 days. If you don't want to do 14, do seven. But do something. Do three. No matter what it is, I guarantee you that whenever you give space and time and resources to God, he will occupy that space you give him. Amen? Amen. So, hey, along with that, that whole time of 21 days of prayer and fasting, I always really seek God and pray and ask God, what is it that you want us to start out the year with for a message series, teaching? And, um, and this year, uh, this is probably the most important message series I'm going to preach to you all year. And I don't mean to, like, hype that up. Oftentimes, as, as pastors, preachers, we can do that. But, but really, I firmly believe that this is probably the most important message series, not even just for our church, but for the church in this day and age that we live in. And so I am excited to bring you the first message in a brand new series that we're calling The Helper, The Helper, based on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're going to spend the next five, six weeks just exploring the person of the Holy Spirit 
his work in our lives, this gift that Jesus said that each of us can receive, have the ability to receive, that takes our natural and adds supernatural to our natural. And so I'm excited about that as I'm believing for things in my life and you. How many of you have goals? How many of you are goal setters in the new year? How many of you have New Year's resolutions? Like you're all excited to get in. And you know, oftentimes I've started out the year and I've got goals. I've got personal goals for myself. In fact, uh, a pastor friend of mine, we were exchanging. He was asking me, hey, man, I would love to pray for you. What's your goals? And I sent him a list of goals. And, and as I'm sending the list of goals, I'm looking over the list. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how in the world are all these things going to happen? I need some help. I need a helper. I can't do this on my own. I don't have enough wisdom. I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough gifting. I don't have enough personality. I don't have enough skills to be able to do all the things that God has spoken to me that he wants to do in and through my life and through this church and this ministry. I need some help. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need some help. <laughs> we need help, don't we? You know, and oftentimes... Um, I remember it was about seven years ago when um, some buddies of mine that we were, we were working together, and I have this one friend, you know, you always have the one friend who's like real fitness buff, and he's always like trying to get you to go to the gym and trying to work out or, you know, whatever, do this really crazy eating plan, and, um, and he, he started this contest in our office where for three months we would see who could lose the most body fat percentage. And, uh, and so I was like, count me in, man, I'm in. And so, you know, uh, it was awesome because during Christmas break, you eat all you want, you try to gain as much weight as possible so you could lose even more. At least that's, that's the theory, you know. And uh, so you load up, man, load up. And, you know, I've been doing some of that this Christmas break. And then uh, I hit the ground running and I started this running plan which I've never really been a runner before. Actually, I kind of hate running. I'm like, the only time I run is if a bear's chasing me or the cops or something, you know. But um, that doesn't happen very often, or doesn't happen at all now. But <laughs> there was a day. There was a day. <laughs> Thank God those days are over. And uh, so, you know, I don't really like running, but I started this, this running plan. We were, what I was doing was training for, to do a half marathon. And um, so I found this training plan online and I started this training plan and dude, in the beginning, it was brutal. I mean, just like, you know, your lungs are burning, you're not used to running, you're, you're using some muscles you haven't used before. And, and it gradually, the nice part about this program is kind of gradually built you up. That was, that was the idea anyway. Over three months kind of gradually build you up to where you could run a half mile and not die. And so I'm like, you know, I like that. I don't want to die and I want to be able to do this. It was like a goal, you know, I set. And, and I started doing it. What I realized is that when you begin any kind of something that is new, something that stretches you and it's good, to stretch, right? That's, that's what we want to do. I hope that you actually watched our online service last week, and I hope you watched that message. If you didn't, um, not to, you know, pump up the message, it was really more about what God put in my heart to share with you than it was the actual message, because I really felt strongly that if we're going to see God move in the ways that I believe we want to see him move in our life, in our church, in our country in 2022, it's going to take, take next level faith. It's going to take uh, for us to get out of the status quo of our faith and what we've been used to and start believing God for more. 
Start believing that what we actually read in the Bible isn't just for people that lived 2,000 years ago, but it's actually for us today. Like when I read these verses and I read these stories, it wasn't just to remind us of what Jesus did back then. It was to give and stir our faith for what God wants to do today. Because God is a now God. He's doing something now. He's doing something today. And he wants to do something fresh in your life. But if that's going to happen, your faith is going to have to get stretched. And that means you're going to have to step out and believe God for things maybe you've never believed God for. And then lean into the helper to help you see those things happen. And so as I was kind of stretching my lungs and my muscles and everything, I noticed something about running, and that was this. <clears throat> Whenever I would try to push to the next level to get a one more mile in, to get to that next level to build up, you know, my strength and my endurance, um, I always felt like there came a moment when I felt like I hit a wall, like I couldn't go any further, like I was spent, I used all the energy that I had just to run as far as I did, and I was done. I was toast, I was finished, I was tired, I, my legs were burning, my lungs were burning, and I felt like I couldn't go anymore. And I remember that um, oftentimes in the beginning, I would stop. That would be the part where I would just tap out and I'm done, you know, and stop running. Uh, but what I learned after doing some more research is that you don't actually grow your lung capacity or your muscular capacity and endurance unless you push through that moment. And so I started actually pushing through, making myself when I felt tired, when I felt like I hit that wall, when I felt like I was spent, like I felt like I couldn't go any further. In those moments, I started making myself push forward. I remember even sometimes running and saying to myself, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And there's something, there's a phenomenon called second wind. And what that phenomenon is, is that your body, when, when you push through that wall, that there's this phenomenon that kicks in called the second wind that actually gives you an extra boost of strength and endurance that you didn't have before that helps you keep going for the journey. I believe that this helper, the Holy Spirit, is God's gift to us to help us when we've hit a wall, spiritually speaking, when we've plateaued, when we feel like, I'm spent, I'm tired, I've hit a wall in my spiritual life, I can't go any further, I'm stuck. And for many of us, going from one year to the next, it's just, we look back at our past year, and inevitably what happens is the enemy of our soul, the accuser of the brethren, reminds us of all our shortcomings, all our failures, because he wants to keep your focus there, because he knows if he could just stop you, if you'll just stop running, after God, if you'll just stop pursuing Jesus, if you'll stop believing, if you'll stop pressing in, if you don't have that moment where you actually break through, and breakthrough isn't in even our own strength and our own power. Breakthrough comes when we fully surrender all that we are to God and give him control of our lives. There's something that happens. There's a second wind that comes. And so today, the title of my message is Second Wind, and I want to show you through Scripture how even Jesus himself, as he was preparing his disciples, this ragabound bunch of ordinary, unschooled men who, in the world's eyes, didn't have what it takes, but they were actually amazed, it says, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, that these ordinary, unschooled men, 
turn the world upside down because of the power of the helper that Jesus gave them. So today we're going to start out by looking at John chapter 15, 14, I'm sorry. John chapter 14. You guys good? John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17. Let me set this up for you. This is when Jesus is trying to prepare his uh, disciples, who would be the apostles of the church. Jesus knew like his time was coming to an end where he would physically be with them. And they had gotten so accustomed to Jesus physically being with them and helping them. You know, I mean, constantly Jesus was, you know, challenging them in their faith. Ye of little faith, why did you doubt and not believe? Um, he was constantly challenging them to believe God for more. And he was there to help them. And they got used to that. And now Jesus knowing, man, these guys, they're going to need some help when I, when I leave. And so he starts preparing them for that. And he says, this is where it kind of picks up in John chapter 4, 16 through 17. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. Now look at the word he. That's the first thing I want to point out to you, that oftentimes we think of the Holy Spirit as an it, you know? We think of it like in the Adams family, cousin it. You know, that weird cousin that, you know, gets invited to the party, but you're really not sure why they're there or what their purpose is, and so you kind of avoid them. And, and so oftentimes we think of the Holy Spirit just that way. We don't really understand him. Kind of weird, kind of heard things, you know, about those churches who believe in the Holy Spirit. And uh, we've had some, maybe some of us in the room have some bad experiences with the Holy Spirit and with church. And for some of us, we've had some, honestly, just incorrect doctrinal teaching about the Holy Spirit. And so it's caused a lot of confusion about the person of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And for many of us, we, un we relate to Father God, right? All of us, there's something innately built into us that longs for Father. Some of us have good ones, some of us hadn't. And neither one, I mean, whatever side of the coin that you're on, there's something built into us that longs for Father. So we, we relate to a Father. We relate to Father God. And we relate to Jesus, right? Because Jesus, he's the one that came and just like we celebrated Emmanuel, God with us. He took on flesh and he experienced everything as Marty beautifully reminded us of that, that he experienced everything so that we could relate to him and he could relate to us. So we relate to Jesus. But this person of the Holy Spirit, there's so much confusion, and it's created so much confusion and fear in the body of Christ that we kind of avoid the person of the Holy Spirit, and now I think probably falling right into the strategy of the enemy, churches even have stopped preaching and teaching about the person of the Holy Spirit, and in the process have absolutely robbed the church of the very help that we need to do what God has called us to do. You know, I love, um, Francis Chan wrote a wonderful book called The Forgotten God. And in it, he makes the point that it should shake any pastor or leader. He says, if the Holy Spirit was taken out of the church, could the church continue to go on to do what it could do? Could we do it with talented, gifted worship people? Could we do it with talented, gifted communicators? And could we just continue to do church? And let me tell you, if you're newer to Hope Church, this is a church, I, I pray and I know very well that I am absolutely limited to preach the gospel in power to you without the anointing and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. I cannot do this. I won't even attempt to do it. 
in my own strength, in my own ability. I'm not enough. I don't have enough. I need some help. How many of you would say this morning, I need some help? And this is what Jesus went on to say about the Holy Spirit. He said, that is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides in you and he will be in you. Now, you have to understand something. This was a massive shift in the way God's spirit moved. This is, this is the difference between the Old Testament, pre-Jesus, pre-death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and Jesus, remember, is speaking to them uh, post-resurrection. He's like, this is something that is going to come to you and is going to be in you. He's going to abide in you, dwell in you, live in you, and will be in you, inside of you. Now, this was a massive shift from the way God's presence used to rest on people in the Old Testament. And, and one of those differences is it wasn't for everybody. It was for select people that God wanted to use for a specific purpose, and it was usually uh, relegated to priests or prophets. And God's spirit would come upon them and it wouldn't dwell in them, but it would rest on them to enable them to do something supernaturally that they weren't able to do without the presence and the power of God resting on them. And now Jesus is speaking something that is completely new. He's saying that not only am I going to give you this helper and he's going to come, he's going to rest not just on you, but he's going to dwell in you. And you're going to have the help of this person inside of you. And so the word helper is actually the word, the Greek word parakletos. And it's, it's imperative that we understand what this word actually means so that we can receive what God wants to give us. The word means to be summoned. <laughs> think about that. I think about Jesus knew he had the power and presence of this helper it's the, it's, the Holy Spirit was what enabled Jesus to live a sinless life. Can I tell you something? The Holy Spirit is what is going to enable you to be a disciple of Jesus. It's not your own strength. It's not your own power. It's actually the very help that we need to become more and more progressively like Jesus. Jesus needed the help of the Holy Spirit, power and presence, to live a sinless life. He needed the help of this paraclete to help him do miracles signs and wonders to be able to preach with anointed preaching that had power you know the bible says that it's not that this is not just a gospel of word but this is a gospel of power that we're here when i preach to you that I, my prayer is that i'm not just preaching to you a good message it's not just words but these words the bible says are alive they carry they carry power because they carry the very presence of god and when you hear them, there's something that quickens in your spirit and something comes alive and something gets strengthened in it. Jesus had the help of the Holy Spirit, but he said, here's the problem. I'm going away, but I'm going to ask the Father and he's going to send to you the very helper that has helped me do all these miracles to live a sinless life and, and, and to preach the gospel in power so that some might get saved to cast out demons, that same power now is going to be inside of you. You're going to get the help that you need. Somebody say amen. amen. He is summoned. He's called to one side, especially called to one's aid. In the widest sense, it's a helper, an aid, an assistant. Do you know you have a personal spiritual assistant? That's pretty cool, isn't it? And, and that in the, just in the simplest form, this word has the idea 
to have someone called to help someone else. Someone called to help someone else. And so my prayer, and we're going to pray here together in just a minute, is that this helper, we collectively would experience um, not just knowing about him here, but that we would experience him here for ourselves and that we would live in the power and the presence that this helper wants to help you become more and more like Jesus in 2022. Come on, uh, let me just challenge you with something. If when you look out at 2022 and the dreams that are in your heart, the goals that are in your heart, if they're big enough for you to do in your own power, they're not God dreams. They're not faith dreams. They're not a word from God because God will always call you to do something that is well beyond your ability to do it so that you will learn to lean in. You know how much of the Christian life is just learning how to be dependent on the Holy Spirit and the presence of God in our life and the word of God in our life? Like that is it. Like the more and more, like John the Baptist said it the best, he must increase, I must decrease. If I could sum up the Christian life, it's every day learning to live out of the power and the presence of God in my life and less and less on my own. That's it. So that's what we're here. We're gathered here this first Sunday, 2022. And I don't know about you, but I need a second wind. I need the very breath of heaven to fill my lungs, to fill my spirit and bring life to me. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this time together. God, would you maximize this time? Father, would you help us to not just understand your word this morning about you, Holy Spirit, but even more so, I pray that we would encounter and experience the helper. Father, help me as I preach this word, and I I do it with fear and trembling because I recognize what's hanging in the balance, people's lives. And so, Lord, I I just give you this mic. I give you my my spirit, and I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me. Have your way. I surrender. Have your way. I surrender. Come on, right now, I just feel like we're just supposed to surrender all our preconceived ideas, um, all our past experience, so that we can receive some fresh revelation from the Lord and a fresh encounter with God. So God, we just give you all our past experiences, everything that we've been taught, and I pray that you would open our eyes to get a fresh look and fresh revelation of this person, the helper, the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, church, would you do me a favor? I just had this conviction. I can't shake it. I've got to pray for our country. Our country needs God more than ever, and and I think, you know, even being here in Montana, I'm so grateful to live here, aren't you? I mean, this is a patriotic state. And I think that we're looking at the rest of the world, we're looking at our country and saying, is this the country that, is this the United States of America? And and I'm telling you, just us complaining about it, not feeling good about it, isn't gonna change anything. Prayer's gonna change things. And when the people of God wake up, when the church wakes up and prays for our nation earnestly, I believe that's when things change. And so would you do me a favor? Let's take 30 to 60 seconds. Um, and pray together for our nation. That means you're praying with me as I pray. Can we do that? Let's pray for our country. God, I thank you for the great United States of America and the privilege it is to live in this great nation. But Father, our hearts are grieved and burdened for this nation. 
God, I ask that you forgive us for turning our backs on you, from turning to our own ways, turning to our own strength, our own resources, and turning away from you. God, would you forgive us, and would you hear from heaven and heal our land? God, we need healing over this nation. We need healing from racial tension. God, we need healing from political tension. God, we need healing from sin and sickness and disease. God, I pray that you would invade Washington, D.C. God, I pray for President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris, their cabinet. We pray for Congress. We pray for the Senate, the House of Representatives. God, would you bring revival to Washington? God, would you sweep over this nation once again with revival fire, just like in the days of old, that is Sousa Street, God, and the Jesus People Movement. God, do it again. God, you can do it again. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen, 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 amen. We need a second wing, don't we? Now, I remember um, when I was a freshman in high school, I was the quarterback of my football team, and um, it was my first experience playing quarterback. And um, in my first game, I rocked it, man. I did so good. I mean, if coach would have put me in, we would have been state champs. <laughs> See those mountains over there? I bet you I could throw this ball over them. No, I'm just kidding. Just throwing in a little Napoleon dynamite humor for you. But seriously, first game, uh, my best friend, Donnie Dooley, he was my wide receiver through three touchdown passes. We won that game. Man, I was on cloud nine. I thought I was, I was feeling pretty good about myself. I felt like I was the stuff. I got this. We go into the second game. Second game, we're playing a team from Newburgh across the river. And these, these were big inner city kids. They were tough. They were, they were actually mean. And there was actually some rumors. One of them, like, would, would put a knife, like, in their shoulder pads and take it out and under the pile stab you. That didn't happen, by the way. Just a little drama, you know, to make it sound better. But um, um, no, really, that was the rumor. But um, I remember, you know, going out there, and I was like, you know, we're going to do this. And, and the first play of the game that I dropped back to throw a pass, I, I got my three-step drop back, and I went off. I saw my receiver. I, I went back I loaded up to throw and just as I was about to throw this linebacker outside linebacker big mean dude just comes over just fast lowers his shoulder and his helmet and just drills me while I'm about to throw the ball knocked me flat on my yeah you know what and I'm laying on the ground and my teammates come over to me are you okay are you okay and I'm looking up at him and I'm like I, I cannot breathe. Any of you ever had the wind knocked out of you? Oh my gosh, this was the worst I've ever had the wind knocked out of me. Like I wanted to breathe, but my lungs were just not working. I could not get air. I couldn't say anything. I couldn't talk. I literally thought I was going to die. I think my teammates did too. They're like, dude, you're turning blue. I'm like, and there was a moment though where, you know, something, I just, I shook it off a little bit and I was able to take the, and suck in that air. And oh my gosh, it was like my fingers started going tingly. I started getting a little woozy from the lack of oxygen. And I sucked in that first breath of air. And it was like, oh, the world came back. It was like in the cartoons, you know, you have those little birdies chirping over your head. And you're, yeah, that was me. And, uh, and I started breathing again. And it was like, wow, oxygen is amazing. <laughs> this is very cool. Like I could breathe again and I feel like the tingly's going out of my fingers and, and I'm somewhat coherent. And what it reminded me of is that we take for granted oxygen. 
we take for granted breath. I think too many of us, spiritually speaking, take for granted the very fact that we have the very breath of God, the helper, living inside of us. We've been given this gift of life. That Jesus said, I'm going to send you this gift. He's going to be the helper. That word helper, it, it doesn't, it's so big, you can't even contain it with one word. In fact, if you read different versions of it, some will say the comforter. He's the one that not only helps you, but he comforts you. He comforts you when you're struggling. He comforts you when you're, when you're fighting depression and anxiety. He comforts you when you lose somebody. He's not only the comforter, he's the advocate. He's the one that, that is fighting for you, praying for you, giving you the strength. He is praying to the Father. Paul says that sometimes I don't even know what to pray. I'm in anguish, I'm stressed, and I don't even know, I don't know how to get myself out of this place. I need some help. In those times, he said, I pray prayers with groans and, and things I don't even understand. And the Spirit begins to pray for me, interceding for me and advocating on my behalf to the Father. He's not only the comforter, the advocate, he's the counselor. He's the one when I've got decisions for 2022 that I don't know how to make. He's the one that's going to give me godly counsel. He's going to bring me wisdom, not just earthly wisdom, but he's going to bring me heavenly wisdom. There's sometimes where I need a decision, and some of you need to make big decisions in 2022. Can I tell you something? You need some help. You need some help in those decisions because sometimes our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. His ways are higher. And so we can look at something in our natural eyes and do the math and calculate it, do the little T-chart, you know, the plus and minuses, and we can say, man, this is a good decision. It looks good, but it may not be the right decision. It may not be the God decision. It may not be what God wants for you or has for you. And just because it looks right in your own eyes, it doesn't mean that it's the wisdom from heaven. Man, there's some times when the Holy Spirit has given me wisdom that, that just dropped in my spirit, that helped me see something I didn't see before, helped, helped me make a decision that I never would have made if it wasn't for the help of the Holy Spirit. He's your counselor. He's your advocate. He's your comforter. He's the one that is by you and in you to help you in every area of your life. And most importantly, he's your second wind. Some of you came into church this morning and you're dragging. It's like, man, you barely made it through 2021 and you're looking at 2022. You're looking at your marriage. You're looking at your finances. You're looking at your career. You're looking at your life. You know, my wife and I were joking, you know, that really depressing Christmas song. Another year over and what have you done? I'm like, yeah, thanks. Just, I feel so much better about my life. But seriously, like, we're looking at last year, we're looking at this year, and we're thinking, man, I want to change. And how many of us go into the new year, we've got goals just like we had in 2021, just like we had in 2020, just like we had in 2019 and 18 and 17, and we're still the same. And we wonder, is anything going to change? And I think the missing piece is this gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised that if we're going to become the people that God has called us to be, if I'm going to be the husband that loves my wife like Jesus loved the church, oh, brother, I need a lot of help. If I'm going to be the pastor that God has called me to be, I'm going to need a lot of help. If I'm going to be that father, that loving father that loves my kids and, and helps them, I need a lot of help. If I'm going to be your pastor that is going to lead you spiritually, I need a lot of help, and you need a lot of help too. 
But the problem is, most of us, you know what the problem is with breath? You don't realize you need it until you need it. It happens automatically, right? And so I hope, just like in Zechariah, chapter 4, verse 6, Zechariah was a prophet in the day of Nehemiah. If you remember the story, Nehemiah was tasked with an impossible task. He had to try to rebuild the walls and the temple of Jerusalem that were lying in ruins, burned to the ground, this heap of rubble, this big fat mess with a small group of inexperienced, uneducated people. And he looked at that, and the prophet Zechariah, who was living in that time, they looked at it and said, this is impossible. There's no way we can do this. And God says, now I got you right where I want you. Do you have anything impossible in your life? As you're looking at right now, you're saying, I have no idea how this is going to change. Well, then God's got you right where he wants you. And in Zechariah, God begins to speak to Zechariah. I don't believe just for then. Do you know that prophecy isn't just for now, but it's also for later? That sometimes God will speak a word that will resonate and be for that moment, but God is not limited to time and space. You understand that, right? Some, some people, some pastors and teachers would make you think that, nope, this was just for then. It isn't for now. But God is multidimensional. He lives outside of time. And so sometimes he makes a promise that it's for now, but it's for the future. And he's speaking um, to Zechariah, and he was reminding them because they're looking at it just like we could look at our life and look at all the things that God is speaking to you, the dreams he's put in your heart, the ministry that's inside of you, the thing that he wants you to start, the person that he wants you to become, and we're saying this is impossible. And this he said to him, the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, and I believe the word of the Lord to us, it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I'm going to say that again because you need to let that get in this morning. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not by might. It's not because you're going to try harder. It's not going to be because you have more self-discipline. It's not because you're going to read that book. It's not because uh, something, you're going to hit the lottery. It's not going to happen because you get smarter, because you go, all those things are good. But if you're going to see the God thing happen in your life, it's not going to be because of any of those things. It's not going to be by your own might, by your own power, by your own smarts, your own wisdom. It's going to be by his spirit alone. Exclamation points. So here's the big idea of this whole message to kick off this message series. The Holy Spirit is the difference between what you can do and what only God can do. Let that sink in. The Holy Spirit, the helper, is the difference between what you can do and only what God can do. Now, I don't know about you, but the things I'm believing for, only God can do them. I can't do them in my own strength. I don't have enough. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can get our second wind, and God can take us into the things that he has for us. So I want to kind of walk you through with the rest of our time real quickly, um, how this life-giving second wind, the Spirit of God, how throughout the history of the Bible, we got to that point 
where Jesus said, I'm going to send you this helper. And when the helper came, it absolutely changed everything. The course of history. We are here today as the church, as a result of the Holy Spirit being poured out in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost and the, and the presence of God, the Holy Spirit descended and filled the apostles and took them from this ragabound bunch of ordinary, unschooled, untrained, average people and with the power of the helper in them, they absolutely turned the world upside down, birthed the church, and you and I are here today as a result of it. Isn't that amazing? And so let me remind you in Genesis chapter 1, it says that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. It was the very life that, that God was using to create the world, the heavens and the earth and the stars and the moon and the sea and the earth. Creation was happening because the very breath of God was on it. Wherever the breath of God comes, it brings life to you and it creates things. And then it got, he got to the last day and it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, that God formed man natural out of the dust of the ground. And then it says that he breathed into his nostrils the very breath of life, and man became a living being. Do you know that you could be alive physically, but dead spiritually? That you could be living life, but not really have a life? And the very presence, the very breath of God, when he breathed life into the man that was formed out of dust, he became a living being. So this breath of life, the word used in the Old Testament is the word ruach. It means, so the Holy Spirit, the word for the Holy Spirit is the word ruach. It means the very breath of God that brings life to everything. Now fast forward now to the New Testament where Jesus, he's preparing the disciples for him leaving. And he's saying, I'm going to send you this helper. And he's going to be this breath of God. God's going to breathe on you. And the Holy Spirit is going to fill you and is going to give you the very strength and power to go from where you are today to where I've called you to be. And so in John chapter 20 and verses 21 through 22, this is the very day we celebrate Easter for. It's the day that Jesus was actually resurrected from the dead after he was crucified, buried, and rose again. And rumors started going around that Jesus was alive. Uh, Peter and John saw Mary and Martha were the first and then Peter and John and they came back and told the disciples who are holed up in this upper room scared out of their minds. They think they're coming for us next. We're dead meat. Jesus didn't show up like we thought he would. We thought he was going to become a king here on earth and we thought he was going to be here to protect us and help us and help us overthrow Rome and be our earthly king and none of that happened. He died. And they're confused, and they don't understand, and they're wondering, where is this help? And now Jesus, they're all huddled up, and he walks through the wall. <laughs> I love that. See, Superman ain't got nothing on DC Comet. You got nothing on Avengers. You got nothing on Jesus. He walks through the wall, and he says, peace be with you. And they're all, like, freaked out, and they're afraid. And then he begins to speak to them and try to calm them. And he says in verse 21, he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, now I am also sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, they went from being afraid to being filled with joy, the Bible says. They went from uh, 
having fear of their future, being confused, not even knowing, is this really Jesus who just showed up? To Jesus, it's you. We're going to be okay. They were filled with joy. They, they got this fresh confidence to know that God is with me. He hasn't left me. Just because Jesus died and was buried and resurrected, now he's still with us. And they took comfort in that. But I think it's interesting. Most scholars believe that this was the disciples' born-again experience. And it couldn't happen before because Jesus hadn't paid the price for their sin yet. So now that he paid the price for his sin on the cross, was buried, and now resurrected into life, he was actually able to breathe life and the Holy Spirit into them, and their spirits became born again. Their spirit became awakened. They had their first wind. They had their first real breath of life. Now fast forward, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. And again, he's preparing his disciples, and this is what he says. He says, on, on one occasion, while he was eating with them. Now let me pause right there for a second, because you got to get this. What Jesus, or what the writer is referring to, is after Jesus in John 20, when he breathes on them. In one of the other gospels, it says he asked them if they had any food. He's like, guys... You have any fish? Kind of hungry, you know? Been in the tomb a couple days. And so they, he sits and eats with them after he breathes on them and, and they get filled with the Holy Spirit. So watch this. It says on one occasion, this is the same occasion as John chapter 20. While he was eating with them, he gave them this command. He said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised you, which you've heard me speak about. Now pause there at verse five. Wait a minute. I thought they already received the gift. No, they didn't receive the gift yet. They've got the Holy Spirit, but they're not completely filled or baptized. They haven't received the second wind, the second act of grace, the second blessing that Jesus intended for them. Look what he says in verse 5. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now that word baptized is the word baptismo in the Greek. It means to be fully immersed. That means that I don't have just a measure of the Holy Spirit living inside of me that I'm absolutely fully immersed in it. I am full to the brim. I am full of the Holy Spirit. I have the helper living fully inside of me, and I am fully empowered to live the life as a disciple of Christ because of the help that is living and is full inside of me and you. And it says, they gathered around in verse 6 and asked him. They still didn't get it. No <laughs> nuts. These guys really needed help. And they said, Lord, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? See, they were still wondering, hey, are you still going to be the king? Yeah, I get this Holy Spirit stuff, but, you know, you're supposed to kind of come in and do the king thing. And he's like, listen, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. He says, but in verse 8, um, but you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria until all the ends of the earth. Fast forward once again on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. When the day came, now Pentecost simply means 50, pent 50, 50 days. It was 50 days from when Jesus rose again from the dead and 40 days that he walked on the earth before his ascension and then another 10 days. There's this 
period of 10 days where there's nothing. They're praying, believing, expecting, and nothing. Do you know there's something in the waiting? There's something that God has to do. There's something about this is why we take time to pray and fast for 21 days. Because sometimes we live in such a fast-paced, convenient culture where you want it, you get it now. I'm hungry. I don't feel like cooking. Call DoorDash. It's on my door in 15, 20 minutes. I want it. I want it now. I want it quick. I don't want to wait for anything. But there's something in the waiting. There's something in the pursuit. There's some things that only come when you choose to wait on God for the things that he has promised you. I wonder how many of us We started to pursue God. We didn't see the things that we were believing for. We didn't see the things that we were hoping for. We didn't see the things that God spoke to us in a word happen fast enough so we gave up on them. Yeah, I prayed about that. didn't happen. Believe for it. I believed for a little while, but I didn't see it. So I moved on. Could you imagine what would happen if the disciples had moved on? What if they left day six? What if they said, you know what? This isn't working. Day eight. There's something about, there's breakthrough that happens when you decide, I'm going to push through this. That's why fasting is so good for us. We don't like it. My flesh doesn't like it. I don't want to do it. But there's something spiritually that happens when you decide, I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe. I'm going to wait on God. You know, biblical waiting is different than our waiting. Biblical waiting actually means I'm hoping for, I'm not just sitting back waiting. I'm hoping with expectation that any moment the answer to my prayer is coming. They were waiting in expectation, hoping, believing, but weren't sure until that moment when the day of Pentecost came and they were all together in one place. There's something about praying and fasting together as a church. You know that? There's power in unity. There's power when God's people decide, you know what? We're going to get together and we're going to pray. We're going to fast together. We're going to believe God together. And we're not going to stop until we see breakthrough. Man, what would the church look like if we got back to our roots? What would the church look like if we went to the upper room, the place that is away from everything else, the higher place, took our faith to the next level and decided in our spirits, we are determined to break through. I'm determined to get to the second wind. I'm determined. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God. And we're going to do it together until we see breakthrough. And the second wind only comes sometimes through the waiting. What are you waiting for? More importantly, what are you believing for while you're waiting? Are you expecting God to move? Are you hoping? Or maybe God you'll come through, but are you expecting him to move in 2022? I'm expecting. It says when they were together in one place, verse 2, that suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed like tongues of fire separating them and came to rest on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This was a moment. And if you could understand the magnitude of this moment, this is the moment. There was an explosion and a wind of violence. It says a violent wind. A violent wind rushed in and they breathed in the very breath of God. 
And it was like something shifted, something changed. Breakthrough in that moment happened. Something was released inside of them. They experienced maybe real life for the very first time. And since they began to speak in language, this, this was supernatural. See, we want to keep God all, you know, keep him in a box and keep it, you know, not so messy. Let's, let's keep it together. Let me tell you something. Have we been keeping God in a box too long because we, we like control? We don't like messy. We don't like not being in control. We don't like, you know, not understanding something. And how many times we get freaked out because, man, I, I saw somebody and they were praying and they were shaking. And the power of God was coming on them. Is that weird? Maybe we've got our idea of weird and strange all mixed up. Maybe what's really weird is walking around and having the availability of this power that's living inside us, but living as if we don't. Maybe that's strange. So I've got a couple of questions for you. I want to ask you. Could it be that we've settled with our current understanding and experience of God? Could it be that in our relationship with God, we've gravitated to an incredibly safe lifestyle? Could it be that we're serving God, but attempting to stay in control of our own lives? Could it be that our faith has become so predictable and uninspiring that we're bored and stagnant? Could it be that we need a second wind? Could it be that we need some help? Just like those people, they, as the disciples came out of that room, speaking with this heavenly language, people thought they were drunk. <laughs> I love Peter's response. No, 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 no. It's only like nine o'clock in the morning or something. They're not drunk. And then Peter, the guy who was wishy-washy, up one day, down the next, undependable, unreliable. One day, Jesus, I'll die for you. The next day, he's denying him three times. He's unstable. I can relate to a guy like that. Then he gets the second wind his breath of heaven in his lungs. Now all of a sudden, he's changed man. He's not the same anymore. He's got a boldness about him. Now he's the rock that Jesus predicted he would be. He's stable. He's steady. He's on fire for God and begins to preach. He becomes the leader of this vagabond group and begins to preach to the crowd. And he preached this word that cuts them to the heart because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And they say to each other, just like we need to say right now at the end of this service, when the people heard this, verse 37, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Come on. Isn't that got to be the cry of our heart? God, what do you want me to do? And look what Peter replied. This is, this is it. It's simple, but powerful. He said, repent be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. This is where the first wind begins. And he says, then you're going to receive the second wind. You're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And look what he says, verse 39, just in case you're thinking, well, pastor, that's good for you. You're all spiritual. You know, you're the pastor. You got this call in your life. You're supposed to do this. That's good for some of your elders and your leaders and other pastors. But you know, you don't know me. I'm just average Joe here dealing with sure I'm just trying to make it through the day without sinning trying to provide for my family put food on the table I'm lucky to do that he 
says this promise is for you and for your family, your children, for all of you, or all of you, all of you, all of you who are far off whom the Lord will call. You have to understand this shift that happened. Now, this presence, this second wind wasn't just for the priests. It wasn't just for the prophets. It didn't just rest on them for a momentary time. Now it will be in you. It will dwell within you. It will never leave you. It will never forsake you. It will be your source of strength. It will be your source of hope. It will be your source of faith. It will be your source of joy. It will be the very thing that breaks the chains of sin and addiction and condemnation and the cloud of depression and anxiety over you and over your life and sets you free to live and follow Jesus in the very presence of God life of God that he has for you. So what do we do? Let me tell you. You do what they did. You repent. You change your mind. You say, God, forgive me. You got to let go of some things, you see. God told me to tell some of you, you can't put new wine into old wineskin. That means you got to let go of who you think you are you got to let go of your past. you got to let go of your preconceived ideas of who God is and what he can do. you got to let go of the limitations that people have placed on you and on your life and that the devil has lied to you for all these years, making you think that you would never amount to anything, that you'd never be able to see the dreams that God put in your heart fulfilled, that you're stagnant, that you're stuck, that you're tired, that you're burnt out, that you're worn out, that you're washed up, that you're done. And you got to say, I'm letting go of all that so I can receive a fresh second wind of heaven, the breath of God. And I can be baptized full of the Holy Spirit, full of the very power and the presence of God. Let me tell you, without it, 2022, You'll only be able to do what you've always been able to do. But with it, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask or imagine. In other words, if you will trust God and surrender to Him, He will blow your mind. And that's just it, isn't it? I think one of the greatest things that we have to let go is, is trying to think about how this all works in our mind and our mind gets in the way. Or maybe it's not our mind that's getting in the way. Maybe it's just our apathy. Maybe we just come to church and we're like, eh. I could go up for prayer, but eh. I could do 21 days of prayer and fasting, but And all the while, we're missing out on the greatest gift. This gift of the Holy Spirit, the helper, the second wind. I don't know about you, but I don't want to take another step forward without that help. How many of you would say, I want that help going into 2022? Come on, hands up all over. Just keep your hands up. I just want to pray for you. Father God, right now, all over this place, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come. 
come once again. The helper, the counselor, the comforter, the advocate, my friend. I pray once again, God, and I ask that you would breathe on your people. The breath of heaven, the second wind. God, would you fill our lungs and more importantly, would you fill our spirit with your very presence, God. God, we confess to you that we have lived in self-reliance and we've denied you a place of surrender in our lives. Right now, we surrender to you and we ask that you come fill us with your very presence once again. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this week's message at Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support this ministry by going to hopechurchmt.com give. Also, follow us on social media at Hope Church MT. Thanks again for watching and have a very blessed week.